welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues Podcast, where we talk Penn State football, basketball, and all things Nittany Lions. Hope you're doing well out there. Vince, you just got back from Return to Wreck. You saw the Nittany Lions take down number 12 Illinois in dramatic comeback fashion. Nick Kern knocking down three free throws to ice the game, secure the Nittany Lion victory, complete with a court storm in Wreck Hall. Just all the hallmarks of a great win, another great win for Mike Rhodes, the second top 15 upset for Mike Rhodes already in his first season at Penn State. So I'll stop there. What did you see, man? How was it? I got one question for you, man. Are you ready for Rec Hall basketball? Yeah, but it, it lived up to the hype, man. Like it was so loud just from the different environment and the confined space probably about 80 to 90 percent capacity so it was just it was, it was electric so anything anytime penn state made a play there was just this energy from the crowd and that really helped them down the stretch like the the pressure they brought on to illinois was just it was crazy though there was 35 seconds left in the game and all, all, all illinois pretty much had to do was get the ball across off court. That's all they needed to do to win the game and knock down some free throws. So what happens is Penn State does enough traps that they make Illinois burn two timeouts, their last two. And then that ended up playing a major factor towards the end of the game. And you know, we talked about Nick Kern having a big game, 22 points. And then Zach Hicks getting fouled, being clutched, knocking down those last last three points. It was just, it was just poetry motion, and really the, all the hard work they put into that press. Illinois couldn't, you know, you know, formulate a play to get the ball to the guy. They like they just had to inbound and figure it out with four four point two seconds left. And this is a game where it was kind of like the Michigan State game, where they were playing pretty well offensively at times. You know, they're kind of looking to Ace to be a hero, and Illinois was really ready for it defensively and. It just seemed they, it was this constant back and forth. Penn State would cut the deficit to seven points, and then Illinois would push the lead back. Then Penn State would bring it to seven, Illinois would push it back. And then finally, with about a minute and 18 seconds left, Penn State caught Illinois sleeping. They they forced a turnover. Jamil Brown just finds himself wide open and knocks down a three, and it goes from seven points down to four. And hey, we have ourselves a ball game. And a, another source I would like to credit is the basketball gods for balance into the universe. So typically, <clears throat> you know, you get rewarded by basketball gods if officiating calls don't go your way. There were some things that happened. You had Jamil Brown get called for a ticky tack foul when Illinois had about 85 points and <clears throat> didn't hurt him. I think it was uh, maybe Terrence Shannon Jr. who missed two free throws and he had 35 points on the night. He he went off. 
And then later towards the end of the game, 35 seconds left or 27 because Illinois had to burn their timeout. 27 seconds left. And you have, have Coleman Hawkins who travels. He gets away with it. Foul gets called on Puff Johnson. He's an 83% free throw shooter. Misses both, man. Like, mm. that's just the, the basketball gone. It's, it's kind of like balancing ball the force. Lie. Yeah, ball don't lie, man. So it was like the basketball gods balancing the force. And like, and then to see Zach Hicks, I thought he was going to make that shot. And I thought that was going to be the game right there. I thought he was going to make it. And that was like game, but didn't go in. But fortunately, he got the foul call. And then, man, ice in his veins just to knock down all three. And I was like, Man, four seconds left. Like it's gonna really suck if we don't pull off this upset. But thankfully, we pulled it off. They they pretty much went the full length of the court. Their guy missed a floater, <laughs> middle of the lane. So it was a, uh, it was just a much needed victory for Penn State after having a three game losing streak, after having, <clears throat> you know, losing Kanye Clary, who actually got dismissed from the team. It was a coach's decision from Coach Rhodes. Yep. So that was something you, you don't see in college basketball. Like, I would never expect Kanye Clary to not be with his team after being, you know, the sixth leading scorer in the entire Big Ten conference. Like it's it's insanity to me. Like I can't remember any this ever happening in college basketball. And yeah, it's, especially with the how well things were going with him. And then, you know, he gets a concussion and he's out for a week and then you know, he comes back as a second stringer and like, he's still playing. So like at that point, if you're unhappy with your playing time, like typically you just transfer out at the end of the season, you enter the portal. So it was really alarming to me to see him not finish out the season. And I'm pretty sure Connie Clary went to like, like a military style, like high school. I think he, he grew up in a military family. So I don't think he was like getting in trouble or having issues with grades. Like, I think it was you know, something with the maybe he overstepped a line with the coaching staff and he wasn't happy about his time. I don't know. I, these are things we can only speculate because, you know, we're not in the locker room. We're not with that coaching staff in the front office day to day. So we have no idea what's happening on that situa- situation. We can only speculate. So to see Penn State <laughs> just able to pull this this one off. I, I can't believe they did it, man. Like this was just, it felt so good after some officiating not going our way and, you know, free throw line. Thank God for Zach kicks before Zach kicks. We were shooting like 50% from the free throw line. He knocks down three at the end to like save our average. We were nine of 17 before that Illinois out rebounded Penn state 43 to 23. They nearly doubled our rebounds. And it felt at times, you know, Illinois, I mean, we like this is like beating a dead horse. Penn State needs to get better at rebounding. They need to get better at rebounding. Like it just felt like so many possessions. Illinois had two chances to score, like every time. And there were two times in the game where Penn State gave up a rebound off of a missed free throw. And actually, one of these came after, you know, I think it was Terrence Shannon Jr. missed two consecutive free throws. And then Illinois got the ball back and burned some clock. And thankfully, they didn't score. It didn't hurt them. But man, it could have. So yeah, so that was that was tough. But really, the area that that saved Penn State was the turnover battle. And we've seen Penn State 
be sloppy with the basketball and, you know, some miscommunications between the players and they haven't been to their normal selves, but they only had six turnovers tonight. So really good job of taking care of the ball. That also helps to reduce the opportunity for fast break points, which is really huge. You had Illinois with 18 turnovers. Penn State had six blocks to Illinois' two and steals 11 to four in favor of Penn State. So this was a a game where I was very much expecting them to lose just because Illinois was the better team. Like Illinois was knocking down some tough shots early, especially in that first half. And I was like, okay, this is kind of like Michigan State. We're like, hey, we're playing pretty good defense, not rebounding great, but the defense is pretty good. And, you know, there's hidden tough shots. But man, this the, this comeback was awesome. And really, <clears throat> the only thing Illinois did that was like, besides falling asleep in the last couple minutes is for some reason we could score on like every single inbounding play. Like we'd set a screen, our guy would run to the basket and be open for a layup or dunk. Like, I don't know what happened with uh, you know Illinois just being unable to guard the baseline. That was like very strange to me. Like even in, in like junior high ball, like we weren't giving up like layups right in front of the, like the court there. Like you're always taught to protect the paint. Right. So that was an area where Penn state capitalized. Nick Kern just was like unstoppable getting to the hole. Yeah. So it was just nice to see this like overall intensity, the intensity of rec hall and like, man, what a comeback. Cool. Yeah. I mean, great breakdown. There's a couple things I definitely want to unpack there. So first of all, I want to quickly touch on, our brief conversation before we started recording, and that is your voice, because you can definitely tell you brought the energy to Rec Hall. You've got a little bit of post whiteout syndrome going on with your voice, uh, you know. So your your contributions to the whole thing is certainly not unnoticed and not unappreciated. So that's awesome. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad it, it looked as awesome as it did, like on TV and on social. So that's. That's really neat. And yeah, I think this, uh, you know, when you when you look across sports and you see certain moments where a team runs into some adversity, either because of internal factors or external factors, and then they come together for a pretty noteworthy win, I think this definitely belongs in that column because of kind of what went down with Kanye Clary, as you mentioned. And, you know, we, we I don't think we, you know, we don't know all the details, so I don't know how well it serves us to like speculate too hard. But I guess uh, the scuttlebutt is that you know there were certain disagreements, maybe some things got heated. But by all accounts, uh, Kanye is still very much like a good guy, agreeing good he's it and and stuff. So you know it's 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 tough to know exactly like what the circumstances were, but just. You know, he stuck around at Penn State after Micah Shrewsbury left, and that's something that we can't really say for a lot of other guys. So, you know, for what that's worth and everything. So, you know, tough, tough to see that kind of play out the way that it did. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I I guess at the end of the day, Mike Rhodes is head coach for a reason. He's got to make tough decisions at times. And so we can only kind of just trust in the direction that he's taking the program. And, but I mean, on that note, it's like, you know, you can't really argue with some of these early results. I mean, we're we're talking about like a, a Shrewsbury like kind of rebuild in a way where he kind of patched this team together for the season because everybody transferred out. And now he's got two top 15 upsets under his belt already in his first season. So, you know, as far as like a program builder, I mean, we talk about this stuff mostly in the context of football because we know like kind of what a win like this can do. I mean, we talk all the time about 2016 Ohio State game as being like kind of that resurgence moment for Penn State football. Like mm-hmm. moments like this to me just feel like they're 
kind of like those signature wins. Like, would you kind of agree with that? Absolutely. And like, this is something we haven't seen Penn State football do in a while, right? Like their best win has been like maybe Utah and, you know, maybe Iowa last year. Like those are the best teams they've beaten. Like Penn State's already, you know, you know, Penn State basketball, you know, we're not we're not highly touted basketball school, but we're getting these upsets, and it's it's awesome. And I don't know how Penn State basketball does it, and it, it's it's always like a theme. Like they lose to Bucknell, but they can knock off like a top ten team. Like it's just uh, something something like with the weird. There must be some voodoo magic that ranked teams just like think they're going to beat Penn State, and then they just get caught off guard or something. Like it was it was a fun game. Well, there's man. something like, also. There's also something to be said about Illinois because four, you know, four times in a row. Yeah. Booty ball, man. That was, that was the genesis of it. So even, even without Jalen Pickett, Mr. Underwood's teams still can't get over the hump. That is the Penn State and the Lions. Oh, yeah. I remember, I, f- I forget what he said last year in like the post game presser, but I was, was just like, yeah, it was just man, this g- ball. Yeah. He was, but he was I, the one who said it. Oh, he's the one who said that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, <laughs> he likes I forget exactly what context it was, but he was like, Yeah, I mean he just like gets, you know, into the post and then just plays booty ball until he like gets gets a look and then he just <laughs> throws it up and stuff. And he was just mad that it was working. So that yeah. that's where it came from. Well, I think well, he said some other things. He's like, Oh, oh I have like I have like one guy or two guys who work hard on my team, maybe like this guy. He's like, this is the only guy who works hard. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you're saying that like publicly about your team. Like that's yeah. Kind of not a good look. Not a good look. And I was just like, like he just sort of like kind of has the impression of kind of being like a, a dick. Like, I don't know. Sure. That's just the vibe. I got. Like, yeah. nothing like, I don't know, like Patton Arduzzi vibes from him. Mm-hmm. But Some anyway. Word. Yeah, anyway. So hey, nice one, to- one last thing, though. I have to ask because we, we talked about this after the Wisconsin game. Did you storm the court? I wanted to. My mom did not. <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> but it was a good time. So then there were some other kind of like funny moments. Did you see the 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 one guy, the the one towel guy? He was like at a half court on the TV. No. So he was like cleaning up sweat or something at like mid court, and like East Baldwin was like six feet away from him or something. Like I was like, oh man, that guy's like pretty ballsy, like running all the way to mid court and like of course and he's like wiping down the sweat and i was like penn state's going like above the three-point arc like running their offense and stuff so that was kind of funny the nittany lion had like this like big giant like like chicken tender basket thing it was like a big cardboard box and they had like like yellow pool noodles like chopped up to look, look like french fries and they had like these like brown beanbag things that were supposed to look like the the chicken tenders so that was pretty funny nice um, <laughs> the the track was cool too because you just have like people like walking around the track up, up top and looking at the game and <laughs> towards like the very end of it it was so funny there was like a couple of little kids like way up in the corner by the track and there's this like girl she's in like a ghillie suit of like the white out pom-pom she's just like laying on the ground <laughs> Cool. And this like kid's just like grabbing all these like pom poms he can and just like throwing it on top. It was it was hilarious, man. But um, that's cool. That you don't get that in the Bryce Jordan Center. You most definitely do not. So it was kind of like its its own like unique vibe, which is uh pretty cool. Yeah. The, the only the only thing I was like a little salty about. I don't know if you saw my picture from the beginning of the game, but like I was off very much to like the side. 
Mm. And like kind of like the corner, like on the opposite end of the concession stands, I was in like the South side and I was like, man, I'm like a season ticket holder. And they're like, they're throwing me in the corner here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, there's can't be that many of us, man. Like I, Penn State gets a lot of my money for Penn State basketball. And I'm like, they're throwing me in this corner. Yeah. But, uh, you know what? That That's a fair, that's a fair argument to make, man. So, and like you, you couldn't buy many tickets for this game. Like I saw, I saw some yeah. like Illinois fans like in the middle. I'm like, why am I not there? Why was I not given that seat? Mm. That's, and, like, a, that's a good question. And like, I know I'm not like a court side, like season ticket holder, but I don't know at least like something in the middle where I could see the court where I was like, I was in like the corner. I'm like, I feel like I have to stand and like turn my body like 90 degrees. And even then it's kind of hard to see like the bottom, like left part of the opposite end of the court, like that corner three area. So I'm like, why am I like stuck in this corner here? I'm a free, I'm like, I'm a freaking season ticket holder. Like, you know what they're going to say though? Like, so if you bring up this question, if you email the athletic department about this, they're going to be like, Oh, I'm terribly sorry. If you would like to make a, a gift to the athletic department in, you know, the, the amount of like this many dollars, we'd be happy to upgrade your seat the next time that we have a return to rec game. They're just going to, they're just going to tr- try to try to squeeze you for some, for some money. Yeah, but thankfully it was only like 85, 90% capacity. Like there's plenty of seats in the the upper level kind of behind the band. So that, Which I'm kind of surprised about. I was surprised about that too. Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be sold out. And yeah. like, we got like emails about like parking and stuff like that. And yeah. the parking lot was definitely very busy. Like the parking yeah. lot situation there was a mess. Like normally- well, never good there. Yeah, like you- you yeah definitely get to the game very early and be prepared to have delays when you leave like it's just and there was some a couple people like there was some people migrating out with like less than a minute left they never so, learn it's like oh don't un- don't underestimate jameel brown man he can get hot at any moment and like he's been cold for a while so like this is a game where, like i said to my mom when i was watching i was like he's kind of due for a good game he's been a little cold since the indiana game so Good to see him step up. Like he's a he's a guy who's really I think Jameel Brown's like like kind of like the one guy who we needed to step up who did and is actually changing yeah. the course of their season. Like like yeah, Ace Baldwin's been great. Zach Hicks has been great. Nick Kern's been great. Q looked more like himself tonight, which is good. He was dealing with a cold, some sort of bug. So like I think he looked more like himself tonight, which was good. But yeah, Jameel Brown stepping up. He you got to credit a lot of that Indiana victory to him and like victory tonight, just knocking down some clutch threes. Like miles dread was in the audience. I saw him and I was like, you got to see a clutch three miles dreads here. Like <laughs> you knew it was going to happen. Like I saw Zach kicks launch that one. I'm like, that has to go in. Miles dread is here and he's just got the energy. Now, unfortunately it didn't go in, but he was fouled, knocked down all three. So for me, that's just as good. I'll, I'll take it. I'm I'm not too picky. A, a win's a win. So, good stuff. Those were some some of the cool vibes from from Rec Hall. The women are going to be there tonight. We're going to be releasing this pod on a Thursday morning, so they'll be playing number two Ohio State. So, it'll number two, number two. At least last I uh, last last I checked. Yeah, so they're very good. They beat Iowa right now. Ohio State, unless they lost, and since the last time I checked, which was like a few days ago. Yeah. They're ahead of Iowa in the the Big Ten standings for the regular season title by a game because Iowa's Big lost Ten, two. Big Ten women's basketball is just so loaded. 
It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, yeah, it's crazy. But you know, Penn State they ended a three game losing skid against a ranked opponent. Women five game losing skid. Hey, maybe it's a maybe it's a theme. Maybe they'll knock them down. So that'll be exciting. They got Wisconsin coming into town for hockey this weekend. Wrestling's gonna finish up their Big Ten championship season yet again with Edinburgh. They're they're coming to town on Sunday. So a lot of good stuff going on. Women's ice hockey. They they won the CHA regular season title and they're starting off their their play this weekend. They're gonna be playing RIT. So a lot of exciting stuff going on this week. Really excited about it. Track is at conference championship. So they're that's a big deal. That's like the one meet you train for. If you are a college track and field athlete, conference championships and nationals, like that is all that matters. Nothing else matters. So you got that. And then uh, women's and men's swimming and diving, they had their championships this past week. So it's it's championship season, baby. And men's team, they got a few more games to really write the chip and try to get out of that. It looked like we were going to be competing for a double bye. Last three games really changed that situation. Now we're trying not to play on day one. So they're going to have to keep on fighting, scratching and clawing, just like they have been tonight, and you know, really try to fight and get in that top 10 because you don't want to be playing on day one. So that's a, yeah. a big deal and hoping we can keep on climbing up the standings. Coming up, we have Indiana at home, so we'll see if we can sweep them on the year. That's another team who we have a chance to beat Indiana. Oh, this would be the, we beat them twice last year. Oh yeah, this would be a chance to beat them for the fourth time in a row. That's which, wild. Yeah, but you wouldn't think that because Illinois and Indiana are such well-known basketball like schools. So yeah. it's really surprising that like Penn State of all teams could potentially beat both of them four times in a row. So yeah, they're going to be playing at noon. And then I know the following Saturday, they play Minnesota. And then they have... Oh, they have Iowa on Tuesday on the road, and then they finish up the season Sunday, March 10th against Maryland at home. So those are the final games on the docket. Very winnable games. Indiana's probably the best one on the schedule. They beat them. Iowa, they beat already. Minnesota beat them. They have a chance to get some revenge. And then Maryland, Maryland took we took Maryland to overtime and just couldn't close out at their place. So hope, hoping to get some revenge when you know we're back in the BJC. Yep. Sounds good. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because I mean, now we're kind of in the territory where Penn State just gets a couple of these like weird upsets. It's almost like Michigan State football-esque in a way, in my mind, you know, like they just kind of, they're the team that like some teams are just afraid to play because you never know when they're going to like pull off one of these upsets. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I don't mind it. I, I kind of like having, you know, a bit of like that mystique little fear factor, my basketball team. Cause if we're not going to be a blue blood, we might as well be, you know, dangerous. Yeah. I feel like a, a good comparison would maybe be like, maybe like a Purdue or an Iowa. Cause like, you don't okay. want to play night games at Kinnick. Like, just sure. weird things happen. Like, I feel like that's kind of how we are. Like, we, and we definitely play a lot better at home. It's pretty rare that we get a big win on the road. That doesn't happen too often. True. Or like maybe when like Purdue like beat Ohio State that one year at home, like that was wild. Like you wouldn't see that coming. So 
maybe like one of those two are good, good comparison. Kind of funny, unrelated story. My, one of my buddies works in a salon and some of the women's basketball players were in, I, I guess, like getting their nails done or something. And <clears throat> so they were talking about like basketball and like playing Caitlin Clark and stuff. And he was asking them, hey, what was it like playing Car- Caitlin Clark? And the girl was like, well, I play center, so I didn't really guard Caitlin. But yeah, she's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Just like a just a flamethrower of a of a basketball player. That's good. yeah. I I think it would be like really fun just to see how good she is. Like just play pickup for like I don't know, like five minutes or something. Yeah, like de- just defensively, just defensively. Like I was never an offensive player. Like my offensive repertoire was like the free throw line. Like that's <laughs> that's about it. Or like if I ran down the basketball court and like. The other team was tired. I never got tired. So like I would just sprint and get an easy bucket that way. Like that was like my offensive repertoire, like catch and shoot mid range game. That was about it. Like that, that was my game. And so here's a, here's a hypothetical for you. So we've, we've talked, we've kind of talked about this sort of subject a little bit before in the context of the wrestling team, because we were like, all right, like how long could you last, you know, with Carter Shirachi? So if you're playing a game of pickup with Caitlin Clark in a game to 21, how many points do you score? I'm going to say probably zero. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just like, I don't know what her height is, but like, she's, I mean, she's pretty pretty tall. She's pretty tall. So that wouldn't be going for me. Yeah. I don't think I would have much of a size advantage. That's the thing with wrestling. I was like, I might have a size or like wingspan advantage here that I can use, but like, her handles are ridiculous and she's such a good shooter. You have to guard her so close. And when you have to get that close to somebody, it's just easy for them to burn right by you. So it's just, whereas if you're guard, it's a lot easier to guard someone who can't shoot. Cause you can kind of sag off of them. Cause you know, they're not a threat, but from that range, like logo range is just insanity. Oh, here you go. And she's, I, she's six foot. So you're the same height, same height, same height. How, how much does, do they, do they wait? Maybe uh, I can use, do some booty ball or something. <laughs> Let's see. It says here that she's 154 pounds. So she's. Oh, she, yeah. that's about my size. I'm, I'm like okay. a little over 160. I got the size advantage. I'm Taylor Clark. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> see, that would be, that would be really interesting. Like maybe I could get one point. I would okay. say probably not though. Like right. realistically speaking, like, <laughs> well, I mean, like you just check it to her and then she'll just immediately drain like every shot. Yeah. I know defensively I am. I'm just not quick. Like I can run fast in like a straight line for like a long period of time. Like that's like the best of my athleticism, but gotcha. like, that change of direction. Like I just, she's very good at creating her own shot, which is very obvious. That's tough to yeah. defend. And, offensively i'm not good at creating my own shot like my handles are non-existent like i I can hit i can hit some shots but you know i i'm not going to be creating that for myself like if you're guarding me and altering my shot it's probably not going in and i don't have this so i don't think like maybe if i got like the ball in the post i might be able to score some points just from being like a little bit bigger okay because I, I do got. A, I did have a couple of nice post moves. Like I can do an up and under drop step. So like I got some post moves. So like that would be like my only hope. Now if I had to have the ball at the three point arc and like make my own shot, I would say yeah, yeah I'm screwed. But if I was able to like post her up, 
like maybe like since we're similar size, I might be able to like get like a jump hook off or something. And in a game of 21, I might get a couple of points, but <laughs> realistically, I, I would not. If I'm if I'm checking at three three point line, like I'm I'm not doing anything. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I think that's fair. I think most people would have the same answer because uh, yeah, she's just really freaking good. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and like yeah, it's like one of those things where like you don't realize how good somebody is to you until you're playing against them. Like, oh yeah, yeah. So it would yeah, like the the only way, like if I was like. I don't know, like six, six and like 200 some pounds. I'd be like, yeah, maybe. But like, yeah, there's, there's no way her, her fundamentals are incredible. Like just solid, perfect. Like my ball handling ability is just not that good. I would, I would just get the ball stolen every single time. Like that's, that's how good she is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. You got anything else on basketball? I want to get into wrestling here in a little bit, but uh, anything else on your end? Yeah, I think everyone's tired of hearing my voice. How about you break down that wrestling match against Nebraska? That. that gave us the the Big Ten title. Yeah, all right, sounds good. But yeah, you got to give yourself more credit. I've uh, I've enjoyed your breakdown here, uh, raspy <laughs> voice and all. But yeah, so that's um, how you know it's a good game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I am sacrificing our pod quality, but I hope our fans understand that it, it was to to help carry the basketball team. It adds flavor to the audio. You know, it, it adds a little bit of like realism and fan experience that, uh, you know, we we don't really like get unless you count like the morning after the Iowa game, because I think both of us were pretty drained when we did that recording because that was like the first time that we actually did it in person. But yeah, so wrestling, just to quickly recap. So Penn State wrestled Nebraska, who was ranked number four at the time of the duel in another top five matchup for Penn State. You know, the most recent one, of course, being their win over Iowa at Iowa. And, you know, I got to be honest, I think Nebraska really kind of made a big statement in this match, possibly call themselves the number two team in the in the Big Ten from top to bottom. Penn State was missing Aaron Nagao, but Overall, this was this was a closely contested duel. Penn State was actually down in terms of points at the break, which is something that I'm pretty confident has not happened at all, you know, throughout this entire season so far. So Penn State really needed a strong back half to close this one out against the Cornhuskers, which I mean, thankfully for Penn State, that's where the strength of the of the lineup is, you know like four out of their five number one wrestlers are after that break. I'm pretty sure unless it, it might be, it might be three. They, they might break at like 157. So heavyweights, yeah, man. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Cause you, you got like three out of the last four in Starachi Brooks and Kirk Vliet. So, I mean, that's just like, that's like warriors death lineup type stuff right there. But yeah. So just a quickly like rundown what went down. So Braden Davis, Kind of ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw, dropped that one 11 to 3. The Penn State went down 0 4 early on. Again, Aaron Nagao was out. I believe he was sick. So Baylor Shunk wrestled in his place. He hung in tough for a little bit, but he went down to number 17, Jacob Van D of Nebraska. Bo Bartlett really needed a win from him in this one just because of how kind of tense the crowd was getting. You know, Penn State, like Penn State is not used to being down you know, like 06 or 07 to to start a match. It just doesn't happen very often for them. So they needed kind of like a 
little bit of a mental pick-me-up type win. And Bo Bartlett definitely gave it to them. You know, this is a guy who is really known for being patient and reserved, really likes to be kind of picky with his with his shots to really maximize their impact. He was aggressive early on. And so he got a couple of takedowns early and was able to kind of win that chess mask chess match from there. Tyler Kasak, um, he was up against it against number one, Ridge Lovett of Nebraska at 149. Ridge Lovett is just really, really good. Kasak hung in there for a little bit, but ultimately went down seven to three. Levi Haynes is doing Levi Haynes things. I mean, he was he was just kind of the dominator from the start of the match. Peyton Robb is really, really good for Nebraska, number seven at that weight class, but Levi was just kind of the one running that match. Mitchell Mesenbrink, redshirt freshman, yeah. continuing to uh, be really good. He won the the he won the decider against number fifteen, Antrell Taylor, nine to five, and then we get into you know the rest of the number one. So Carter Starachi, Tech Fall, number thirty three, Bubba Wilson, nineteen to four. So you know Starachi, if he was sick, you know in some of these uh, recent weeks, he was out against Rutgers. The people say that he looked gassed against Iowa. He certainly did not look gassed in this one. He was he was aggressive, kind of just showed that you know that he's the clear number one at that weight class. Bernie Truax at one eighty four dropped a very very close one to number three Lenny Pinto from Nebraska. Yep, fortunately the, the burn didn't come through in this one uh, too much for or you know not enough for for Penn State. He dropped a really really close one eight to six. There was kind of a wild scramble at the end where Bernie. Almost, almost got the takedown to pull off the upset, but it just wasn't enough. So at that point, it was it it was close because that match, that win by Nebraska, brought it to fourteen to thirteen for Penn State. So if Nebraska managed to pull off the upset at either weight class, it really could have gone either way. But thankfully, it was it, you know it was just kind of like. I mean, you remember like the Brad Lidge days for the Phillies where you just, you know, you had the lead no matter how slim it was and you knew that it was protected because of how good he was. Like that's what Aaron Brooks and Kirk and Greg Kirkfleet are. Aaron Brooks just, I think he has a pretty good chance to win the Hodge trophy this year. I mean, he just looks like just so dominant, just so in control, so focused and calm out there. Like he's just, he's playing chess while everybody at else at 197 is playing checkers. He hasn't given up a, a single takedown at all this season so he far. He almost did against Iowa. He was very close. Yeah. So, you know, but almost isn't isn't quite there. So I, th- I thought it was funny because like I thought he was getting the announcer's jinx and like he was like hopping on one foot or something. Like yeah. you yeah. thought he was dead to rights and he just somehow got out of it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just gonna, goes to show you just how good at uh you know he he's really good at being the aggressor, but he's really good at at those uh you know defensive maneuvers as well. So yeah he got he got the major decision 17 to 4 and then Greg Kirkfleet you gotta give it Kind of get to give it up to uh, Hotmacher for Nebraska. He's actually primarily a member of their football team, but he joined the wrestling team probably because they needed a heavyweight and he had some interest. But yeah, he was just like severely overmatched here. Greg Kirkfleet just, you know, he was just all over him from the beginning. He just couldn't do anything. And I mean, he got, he must have gotten hit with like six different stall calls to continue to give points to Kirkfleet. I mean, and it's like, I feel for the guy because it's like he's on, he's on the ground and, and Kirkfleet is just doing his thing. It's like, what is he supposed to do? <laughs> he's just he's just trying to hang on to the end of the match. But you know, I give him credit for you know being out there and and competing 
and everything like that. So yeah, Penn State ended up winning this one 22 to 13. As far as a margin of victory, this is definitely closer than any other match this season so far. First, first one in single digits. Yeah. So definitely noteworthy there. Like I said, I mean, Penn State technically was not at uh, full strength in this one, but even so, I mean, Nebraska really made a match of it, especially early on. So they're definitely going to be a team to watch here at the uh, Big Ten and National Championships. But with that win, Penn State did secure the Big Ten dual meet championships or, you know, they won that title for the, you know, what seems like the thousandth time. In a row, it's hard to keep track at this point. But well, yeah, being so. in that call, I saw they had. I think it was like ten of the last thirteen NCAA titles. I mean, that sounds about right. Or, I mean, it might have been ten of twelve because like there wasn't one in twenty twenty. Correct. So yeah. yeah, it would have been like ten of twelve then, which is yeah, insane. It, and it's funny because they don't have as many Big Ten titles. It looked like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because a couple of years ago, I forget what year it was, but. I think it was like actually Ohio State won the Big Ten title, but then then they ended up winning the national title. Yeah, uh, like twenty twenty two, I think. Yeah, I forget what year it was exactly. I don't think it's been any of the last like couple of years because they've had you know Aaron Brooks and and Starach. Well, I didn't and- see. I saw twenty twenty three on the banner there for all their Big Ten titles, but the uh-huh. last one before that was like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Like there was like hmm. a four year gap. Not twenty twenty. Uh-huh. Obviously, there probably wasn't one. They didn't have enough right. wins. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but I do know that Iowa won a couple of them in mm-hmm. there with the with the Spencer Lee years. So, but gotcha. Yeah, but Penn State wrestling continuing to be a force. They, you know, their their season is uh, going to be coming to a close here pretty soon ish. So they're going to be getting ready for the Big Ten championships. Hopefully, the team is you know getting healthy because you know we don't want to be missing any of those uh, key guys to sickness. So if they are sick, I hope they're they're just quarantining themselves because the last thing we need is, you know, for any one of those number one guys, or really any of them, to be going down with an illness. Yeah, that's uh that's the toughest thing in college sport is just staying healthy, man. Like it's yeah illnesses and it's 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 tough, man. So that's all I got on uh on wrestling. You want to hear about football? Yeah, probably the last thing we we do I do want to cover men's volleyball. Still okay. in the top 10, number nine in the country. They're playing New Jersey Institute Technology at home this weekend. So you can definitely check it out. <clears throat> Men's swimming, their championship is next week while the women are going this week. Track and fields this weekend. So a lot of championships there. Women, or sorry, the men are at a big cup down in Louisville for gymnastics. They've been doing awesome this year. Women's gymnastics is also hosting a couple of big five meets, which... I feel like what's big uh, five so there's five teams in it i think it's like maryland there's i could look at the schedule here real quick so it's not like the big 10 conference well it's weird there's like two big five meets and okay. like i think i think most of them are big big 10 teams but i don't think all of them are so here here's our roster for the the big five championships the men's the event they're at is called the winter cup and then the women so it's versus Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, and Michigan. And then the other half of the big five is like Michigan State and like four other teams. So it's a very like, I mean, I guess it's all Big Ten schools, but it's like weird that like R5 is 1-5 and they do like, it's not just like a Big Ten thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Which is kind of weird. But anyway, you also got baseball on the road. 
at Stanford. Then you also have softball on the road versus Morgan State. And we have women's soccer has some players playing in the Gold Cup, which is pretty exciting. I believe they had six. And the men's team had two players drafted into you know professional soccer so that was awesome too nice following the the women yes they are so penn state athletics just crushing it every sport every level yeah we actually got mackenzie gruss goalkeeper penn state alumni called up to the youth national team so that's another fun fun tidbit there yeah it's it it's been a it's been a good week yeah i'd say so got upsets and titles galore Absolutely. So, Andrew, what's been happening in Penn State football? Yeah, so it's uh, it's been, you know, not not an entirely groundbreaking week in football. You know, just kind of minor stuff. One thing I want to just uh, point out that's not really that significant, but I think it's uh, you know just something of intrigue. It looks like Julian Fleming is going to be wearing number three for Penn State football instead of his number four, which I'm. Pretty sure he's had since his Southern Columbia days. So mm. kind of going in the direction of Parker Washington taking over that that number three number. But uh yeah, it looked like he was enjoying himself for Thon Weekend, which by the way, we got we got a shout out Thon real quick. Oh yeah, we were, man. We were talking about this during our last pod. Raised nearly seventeen million dollars, sixteen point nine million dollars. That is Remember? so much money. My phone last year, it was like 15 million, and we we're like, oh, yeah. no way they beat that. I, I know. They I, got nearly 2 million over that, man. Like, I that's was insane. Astounded. Yeah, because when, when we were in school, the big thing was can we get over 10 million? Like that, that was, that was the big thing. It was like, can we get over, like, you know, into the two digits of millions of dollars? And like, I think one year when we were still in school, we got to like, I think we got to like 11 million and then like it doesn't automatically just increase every year. So the but the fact that they got 16.9 is just incredible. So they deserve a huge round of applause. Flowers to all the fundraisers, all the organizers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So just you know, obviously a humongous job well done. But yeah, so he was there at Thon, uh the football team does a, you know, does a ton of stuff with uh, the Four Diamonds kids, which is awesome. Nolan Rucci was out there as well. So yeah, looks like they're enjoying their time in uh, Happy Valley. Um, AJ Harris really is uh, making a name for himself at winter workouts. I've seen his name shouted out a couple of times by the coaching staff already. So that's cool to see. A couple of more official things. We have got Danny O'Brien, who is the graduate assistant for Penn State, kind of like that uh, that QB coach, uh, kind of like a close mentor for Drew Aller. You saw him and Drew working pretty closely together in that Michigan State game where Drew had, you know, what I think we could maybe both agree on was his best game of the season. So, you know, I, I was uh, pretty, I was in kind of the camp where I was like, okay, Kotelnicki is coming in, but I'd still like to see uh, Danny O'Brien stick around. But it looks like he is going to be getting a title shift on the team, which, you know, I would kind of say is tantamount to a promotion. So I'm trying to see what that title is, but it looks like so now he is like officially the quarterback's coach. So he was previously a graduate assistant. So now he's listed as the quarterback's coach, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think is a good thing. He, he was a good college quarterback. 
obviously has a ton of rapport with Franklin from his time at Maryland. It seems like he has a pretty good thing going with Drew. So, you know, for for our five star man, I, I don't I'm not He's gonna a five take any, star man. Yep. I'm not gonna take any, you know, good things for granted. So that's pretty cool. And then on the recruiting side of things, Penn State picked up a commitment recently from wide receiver Lyric Samuel, which I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I don't know a ton about Mr. Samuel, but new recruits is always exciting, especially at the wide receiver position. We've talked a lot about how Penn State really needs to find some answers here pretty quickly here, you know, in terms of some <laughs> young guys and looking at the program here in the next uh, season or so. So maybe Mr. Samuel will be that answer. So that's, uh, that's uh, the major news in, in football right now. All right. I, I like the way it's heading, getting more guys in and trying to get into that college football playoff. Yeah. Do you see uh, the kind of the news about the Big Ten and the SEC kind of uh, strong arming the college football playoff committee a little bit, or at least I, trying to? I think it's a good thing. You, you use too. that leverage. You have all the best teams. You could make your own conference. Like, yeah. You could go away from the NCAA. Yeah. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, since... It was like for so long, the conversation was, you know, we want expansion. We want more teams. We want more like playoff football and stuff like all these other teams have d- deserve a shot at, at a title, like regardless of like the conference that they were in, et cetera, et cetera. And that conversation got shut down so many different times. And now this like super committee has been formed and not only are we getting an expanded 12 team playoff next season now they're like oh yeah we'll entertain the idea of like 16 teams by the year like 2026 like that's so soon like <laughs> you know it's it's incredible like just the kind of the 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 velocity with which these conversations are going when for so long like the idea of expansion just it, it was basically like heresy <laughs> you know for the college <laughs> For the playoff committee. So I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, I think something that would help and I would be a big proponent of is only having like the power four play against each other. Okay. Like, because those group of five teams, like, I think they should have their own kind of championship with the group of five. Like, I would much prefer Penn State play like power five opponents for their 12 games. And then you have a clear cut system of like wins losses to get you towards, you know, the playoffs. So like maybe like you have the, the big 10, big 12 sec and ACC, like they each get like maybe two automatics or two or three automatics. And then, you know, you have like four to eight wild cards with like the best total record. So you're not talking about the playoff field. You're talking about like in-season opponents. Yeah. So in-season opponents and like keep it to like 64 teams or something like that. So it's very tangible. Mm -hmm. Like just like the NFL, like the NFL has their tiebreakers. They have divisions like, you know, the big 10 is a division and maybe like, you know, your top two that make it to the championship, they go. And then you take the top two from the ACC championship top two from the big 12 top two from the sec and then you take the next like four or maybe eight best records like in all of college football so okay if you look at this year the way that would have played out divisions can kind of skew that but if you were to look at it you'd have oregon washington which we agree i think they're 
you know, top 16 teams. Yep. You'd have Bama and Georgia. Yeah. I think we're in agreement there. They deserve to be there. Yep. Texas and was it Oklahoma State? Yeah, it was Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. It would have been OSU. So you can argue like, hey, maybe they shouldn't be in whatever. And then you have like Michigan, Iowa. You can make the argument for Iowa. Iowa. To not be in there, but so that's that's your eight automatic qualifiers. Okay, and then the next best. Let me pull up. This is like kind of an idea I just had at the top of my head. So we're going to okay. see where this goes. <laughs> we're going to get into the weeds here. We're workshopping it. All on, right, on the Nittany Blues podcast. So I'm going to yeah. do the standings here. It wouldn't be so, a show if we weren't, you know, like winging something. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, sorry, I, I did exclude the uh, ACC. It was Florida State and UNC. Okay. So those two would make it. And then your next eight best records would be Ohio State. Yep. So I am in agreement they deserve to go. Yeah. Missouri, 11 okay. and 2. They should yep. go. Yep. Us. Okay. Ole Miss. All right. And then there would be some crazy tiebreaker scenario. Well, it's tough because this includes the bowl games too in the records. Mm. So I would say like probably Arizona would be one of the last. It'd be somewhere between like Oklahoma, LSU, Arizona, Louisville, Notre Dame. Actually, Louisville was the team that would have made it. Not okay. Not UNC because Louisville played. Right. They played Florida State. Yeah. So the worst team you have is Oklahoma State who is ranked 20th. That's a good field. So that's a pretty good field. And like Okay, it could suck to be like LSU at 13 or Arizona, Notre Dame, NC State, Oregon State. But like, I like that it it would give us a more like black and white, you know, you qualify or you do not qualify. True. Yeah. Now, just realizing this now, we still have five conferences. So this (laughs) is going to look very different. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, call it like four and a half, like whatever. Exactly. So I'm just saying what the, the new, the new, the new yeah, construct like the new look. is no more, the new yeah. look, like that would be a good way to do it. Now, you sure. know, you maybe cut off two of those teams. So that would have cut off Oklahoma and Ole Miss. And we would have been like the last one to get in at large. Okay. But like, that would have been like a weird tiebreaker between like us and Ole Miss who were like 10 and two, like, so pretty much there would be some tiebreaker scenario there with some 10 and two teams. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to the pod, give us your thoughts, leave us a comment, tell us we're idiots. Tell us that's a good idea. Yeah. We want to hear. Yeah. Especially, especially the ones that tell us that we're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What else do you got? Yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of the main thought I had. I, I did like Chip Kelly's idea of, kind of like divisions and stuff with football and like that can be its own thing. Like the 64 power four teams or however many there are now, it might be like 68. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to do it. Well, I mean, with how quickly college football is evolving and changing, I don't think we can confidently say that anything is out of the question at this point. Nothing is outside the realm of possibility. And the thing is like, 16 teams isn't the worst. That gives you like more games, which is more revenue for the NCAA. And you think my idea of like having, you know, you only play power five opponents. I think that's awesome. And like would make the games more interesting. Like when we're playing like UMass, like 
it's not yeah. an exciting week for us. I mean, we go to the games and have a good time, but like, yeah, there's not like that element of like, oh, we might lose. But did you see Matt Rule's recent comments about more or less scheduling tough opponents? What did he say? I did not catch what he said. So basically what he paraphrasing here, but he basically said that, you know, in the current like construct of the college football playoff and with a 12 team field, there really isn't an advantage to scheduling a tough, say like out of conference opponent early on in the season, you know, because before like you could especially point maybe to like 2016 as like a prime example, Ohio state had that win over who would that have been at the time? It like either Oklahoma or Oregon. I forget who it was, but they had that win and you know, they were able to get in over us, the big 10 champions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, and Michigan has also talked about this as well. And Franklin actually caught some, some flack because he, you know, said something that Michigan fans took offense to, like with this whole thing, which it's like, what else is new? But, but so he basically said, you know, there's not very much benefit now to scheduling like those tough early out of conference opponents because all you're doing is putting a blight on your record early on that's hard to recover from. Whereas if you have some more of these like quote unquote easier games and you build a resume for yourself and you're sitting at like, you know, number 12 or number 11, maybe you don't have the most like out of this world resume, but you have the wins. So, you know, I just, I find it interesting that, you know, like rules, never been a guy who's like been shy to kind of share his thoughts. So somebody like talking very candidly about this, which we all kind of thought was just kind of coming in college football and that, you know, in some ways it makes sense, but it's interesting that a, that a coach at, at a, you know, blue blood program like this is thinking about this on this level. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there needs to be a, like, I, I really like how the NFL has a set rotation. Like you always see the NFC East always plays the NFC East and they have those six games. Now, obviously you're not going to be playing opponents twice, but you alternate every year home and away with like your specific division in the big 10. So like you might have maybe two divisions and then maybe you play the team from the other three power four conferences. You play that team who finishes at the same level as you. So like for Penn state with 16 teams, maybe you have, let's say maybe you play like seven games and then you have to play that other team in the three other levels that would get you to 10 games. And then maybe you have some alternation of like those last two games are teams in the other half of the big 10 and you rotate that every four years. Okay. That way, that way, you know, it takes away the cupcakes that like the sec is getting an extra cupcake every year. Yeah, and things of that nature. And it's just like you play all the same teams, the same amount of years, the same amount of time. And then you get more of a, a concrete way of getting into the college football playoff. And it's like none of this committee BS. And mm. you figure out what the tiebreaker is for like those non at large teams. And then the thing is, if you're 
if you're playing those other seven teams who are in your half of like the big 10 and I know we talk about divisions and like how we hated it and, and stuff, but I do think it's really the most fair way you can do it because, you know, let's say you're in a Michigan, Ohio state situation where only one of them goes to the big 10 championship. They have a very good opportunity to pick up an at-large bid with eight more spots available. True. So I think it, it, like eight divisions, the winner of each of the eight divisions and, you know, each of your power fours would have two divisions. So your top two would go no matter what. And then you have like a wild card for the last eight. I think that would be a good scenario. And, you know, that would, it'd be very unlikely that you're like, man, this is a top five team that got left out. Like that wouldn't happen. Sure. No, I can, I can see the validity in that. Just for the sake of conversation, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. So what about the money that goes to programs like UMass to like play some of these games, the pay to play situations? You know, we hear it all the time about, you know, the money that these programs get paid and that helps fund their athletic departments and stuff like that. Do you see there being more value in a system like this? at the expense of some of these teams, some of these programs not getting that pay-to-play money. Yeah, I think that's a good argument and a fair argument. I think television contracts would definitely need to be the way to go, especially for their postseasons, making sure they get a lot of postseason. Okay. And like they, they play a lot of Tuesday, Wednesday games, and they get on like ESPN during football mm-hmm. season. So I think that would be very important to make sure they get that television contract money. And then they have their own 65 teams. And I like, I know we're, I think actually there's 67 because I know in our, the, the uh, announcement that is coming, we, we, we were talking about how there's 134 teams at the FBS level. So I would say you're probably around probably close to that 64 mark. And it's tough. Cause you might have to say like, okay, these teams aren't in, but you know, it, it, it'll have some challenges and hiccups here and there, but if I have yeah. more time to think about it, I, I, I'm, I could, I could break it down. Got it. Okay. Get a little better. So yeah, we'll, we'll just schedule like a book report where you can, you know, discuss your, your financial, your detailed, like business plan and your model of how to support all these, you know, smaller, smaller programs and stuff. I'm, I'm going to be like that meme of like Charlie day with the conspiracy theory. Yeah. You're just going to have a wall. <laughs> a like, wall of, of like, this is how it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fair it. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And just. At the at the top of the wall, there's just going to be a giant poster board that just says Vince fixes college football or something yeah. like that. I love it. That's great. Good stuff, man. So, uh, cool. We've talked for a while here. You got anything else? Rec Hall was awesome, man. Like, I'm still yeah. over the moon about that game. And just I'm like, sure. which I mean, I, I told you the last time, like, when, when I went to that game, what was it back in like 2014 or whatever it was? Like, like they, they lost to Princeton, man. They, bl- they blew a huge lead and lost to Princeton. So I'm grateful that your experience of it was infinitely better. Like, that you got to see such an epic win. That just makes it that much sweeter. Well, I think. I think what I need to do is I need to start bringing my mom to more of these games. Like maybe she must be good luck because she came up for that Ohio State game. Okay. Where we came back from like 18 points down. Yeah. We lost against Michigan State. 
but we cut that down to single digits at the end after being down by like 20. And then this one, we came back and won. So two out of three, that's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. All right. So Mama Fidali, she is the, the, the good luck charm. <laughs> she's the key behind the, the Penn State voodoo magic. She, she's the Mama Kelsey of Penn State athletics. Love it. Penn State basketball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even, though she's a, even though she's a Tar Heels fan. Ironically, I mean, like it's not even her favorite team. <laughs> That's all right. But she she roots really hard for Penn State and yeah. like especially like Puff Johnson and DeMarco Dunn since they're UNC transfers. She's very happy to see the two of them on the squad. So awesome. It, it all works out. It all works out. Yeah. There's enough Penn State fandom to go around. Exactly. So we're sharing it's kind of like a thing. Like you Mama Kelsey likes the Eagles and the Chiefs. Like that's just Mama Fidali likes the heels in Penn State. Like it is what it is. Speaking of Kelsey's and the Chiefs, did you see that awesome picture of Kylie Kelsey wearing a Cincinnati Bearcats shirt at the Super Bowl instead of a Kansas City Chiefs shirt? Like I, I love that dude. Like that yeah. is incredible. Like I just want to like find me a woman that loyal, man. Like, <laughs> or, like uh, yeah. see what I mean? like my brother's team's gear. Like it's hard, that would it's be... hard to overcome. Like what? Is, I don't know how old she is, but you know, like thirty-five years of dogma and and Eagles fandom to like not only wear the stuff for another team, but to wear the stuff of another team that beat your team in the Super Bowl last season. So, like mm-hmm. from from that level, I think we can both kind of empathize but yeah that that picture i mean like Tr- jason's obviously got the stuff to support travis but she's wearing a cincinnati bearcat shirt that was just freaking this awesome. is where they both went to college so it's like okay it's yeah. jason's so yeah, exactly and it and it, you know, good, it's got the red it's got yeah i think that's a good like compromise man yeah it's like i think so it, i do think it's funny though because like she wouldn't even wear like she would not wear anything outside of eagles gear even for family like that's how like diehard of an Eagles fan she is. And I like, I love her. She's the, yeah. She's like the, like, she's like, I don't know, like Miss America. She is Miss America. Like she's amazing. She's definitely kind of built up this little cult of personality in, in a good way though. Like Taylor Swift is not Miss America to me. Like, I'm like, give me a Kylie girl Kelsey. like Kylie Kelsey. Like, yes. All right. <laughs> like awesome. Like, <laughs> and like, I, I love like, when she was like talking on their podcast and she's like, she's like, Oh, if anyone's coming for my, for my man, she's like, I ain't skinny. I'll fight you. Like, yeah. I mean, she, she's from Philly. Like she's, she'll throw down. Yeah. She'll Philly girl, Philly tough. She'll, she'll fight. So she's a field hockey player. Yeah. So that's a, that was kind of, that was a funny story. Yeah. But yeah. She's just a, a fun personality, man. Did you, speaking of the, of their podcast, did you see the mo or like, see some of the clips of the most recent one where they're talking about like the post Super Bowl celebration. And Jason was talking about how he, he found that he found that luchador mask just on the ground at the club. Like nobody nobody, was wearing a luchador mask. Oh, you didn't see this at the, at the club after the game. Like there's, there's such a funny video of the just true dichotomy of Travis and Jason right now, because I'm sure that Travis can like, you know, go crazy and throw down with the best of them, but he's over like dancing with Taylor and they're just like having a good time and stuff. And then it like pans over and Jason is at the DJ table 
with Marshmallow. Marshmallow's got, you know, the class, like, you know, his, his helmet mask thing going on. And right next to him is Jason Kelsey wearing like the chief's overalls, like just going ham. And he's wearing this chief style luchador mask that nobody at the time knew where he got it from. He was just wearing it and he kept it on the entire night. So there's videos of like, of Travis and Taylor walking like with their crew. And then alongside them, they're all wearing like nice clothes. Like Travis has got on this like nice jacket and stuff. And here comes Jason wearing these like these chiefs overalls in this luchador mask. And people are saying that he looks like a, like a custom character in like a game cut scene. Like, because that's how out of place he looked. And it's so, it's so incredibly accurate, but yeah. So I'm sorry. I didn't realize you hadn't seen this, but it is, so Dude, freaking funny. I, I, I don't want to see it now because like the way you're describing it, like I'm like, it can't be as good as it is in my imagination. Like it's the video. Better. Like, trust me, like, it it's so good. Like I would I mean that's just like something he can do and like I don't know, he like probably like I don't know, some guy probably like took it off or something just to like get it a break because i'm assuming wearing that for a long period of time is not comfortable and jason just saw it there and was like, was like i'm wearing it but and the guy was like, like the guy was like that's jason hours. kelsey I'm, I'm not i'm not like the guy was probably just like well that's jason kelsey i'm not asking for my luchador mask back. <laughs> well i like, mean that's, that's jason that's, kelsey that's a fair point but yeah no he was but he was saying like he just he just like found it and and he said like you know and he was like he he had kind of like a stepbrothers moment where he was like, and you know, you're you're just like not gonna not wear a luchador mask if you find one and stuff. And he's and he's saying, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even wash it off. And Travis is like, Oh, you didn't even like take it to the bathroom, like rinse it off. He's like, No. <laughs> and he's like, I thought for sure I was gonna get pink eye. And so yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, like everybody kind of points to like certain movies and like things in pop culture of like, this is the ultimate like party moment crowd or whatever entourage level, like the hangover type stuff. Yeah. I feel like a night with the Kelsey's would be like the hangover, like just, you know, get the two of them like with no significant others and whatnot and just say, okay, we've got unlimited money unlimited locations i feel like a night with them would be the most memorable thing on the planet if i'm being you you couldn't do better like yeah one of the other podcasts i listened to like one of the questions they they asked the guests at the end they're like all right like dead or alive like who are three people you'd want to have dinner with like and i'm like jason kelsey would definitely be one of those people on my list like like who would you party with for a night like jason kelsey and I have to figure out the other two. I don't know. Let's uh, let's brainstorm the other two real quick, and then we'll wrap things up. Okay. Like, I think we can agree. Jason so Kelsey would be on both with? of our list. Like party or have dinner. Like w- okay, your choice. Well, my forever, you know, a guy that will always be on my like have well, dinner it's list. Roger is, for you. Yeah, it's it's one hundred percent going to be Roger like- Federer. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's one hundred. Yeah, always going to be Roger Federer. So we'll we'll throw we'll we'll throw Jason into that mix there. And then, oh man, that's a that's a tough one. So I've named one. What's another okay. one for you? So we'll we'll we'll, ra- we'll we'll make a quick trio here. Okay, this is a good one. Oh, and it could be anybody. Like it doesn't it have to be, be like an equal or anything else. It could, you know. I feel that's the thing. I'm so nervous about this because I feel like I'm going to pick somebody and be like, oh man, so so much better. <laughs> well, 
it's it's our fake hypothetical scenario. So I'll 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 give you the option to change. So I'll, 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 I'll go with I'll, for now. I'll go with like my equivalent to you, like probably Steve like Yontain. Yon for oh, that's a good guess. I'm, I'm impressed you okay. know that he would All be right. he would be awesome. Okay, I might go Yon for Dino, okay. triathlete. All he's, right, he's kind of like the goat in 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 triathlon. He's definitely up there for like cool. goat status. So I think he would be he would be fun. Like he's like I don't think he'd be like crazy or anything. Like he's not like a party animal or anything. But, but part like, of it is just like he's like he's just one of those guys that's like like good looking, really cool. And plus, you just like want to just have a chance to like just talk candidly with them, you know, just because they've had just such a an incredible, you know, amount of experiences that you closely follow. So you only get that like a taste of that through your fandom of that person. So to have those conversations and to like hear like what it was actually like, I mean, you can't it's impossible to replicate that. So. I think that's what that what makes this uh, little exercise so fun. It does. I, I think Joel Embiid might be a fun one too. He would be a fun one. He would also be a fun one to party with. <laughs> yes, I I think Embiid would be a good one. So that's like my my two A two B. Good stuff. So maybe we'll have to revisit this. This is fun. Yeah, want to do one more? Like one more tonight? Yeah, like one more. We I I said three people for the hypothetical. Okay, so I'm at Jason, Roger. And hmm, man, this is this is a tough one. I'll go uh, just to give myself a category. I'll probably I'll go I'll go Penn State. I'll go uh, party. I'll go Mike Kosicki. Nice. I actually partied with Mike Kosicki once. Really? I didn't know it though. Yeah, I was at Champs and like oh sweet. And then like when I left, the person I was dating at the time be like, oh, do you know like Mike Kosicki was dancing like two feet away from me? I was like, no, I just thought it was like some random tall guy. <laughs> It's just this enormous blonde haired dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize it was him, but I think he was nice. like partying at champs that night and he was just like dancing or whatever. So that's nah, a good he, one. I think I think um for me, my like if, if I had to add a Penn Stater to the list, like uh-huh. give me Miles Dread, man. Okay. Like, I feel like I love that passion, that energy Hooper. he has. Yeah. Like okay. Hooper, like clutch three. Like I, I think he'd be a fun one. Cool. Party with. I think it- Good, good choice. Yeah, saw him at the game tonight too. I was like, okay, there's gonna be some clutch threes. Yeah, obviously some good juju there. Absolutely. All right, so we've been talking for a while. You want to put a bow on this one? Yeah. Tell us how fans can help us out. Yeah. So, best way to help us out is by leaving a review. It may seem like a small act, but that helps the platform see us as a show that they should introduce to other people who have yet to listen to the Nittany Blues podcast. So it really does help us out. Um, it's all about the grow. algorithm, man. All about the that, algorithm. It's true. Yeah. I mean, well, unironically, that is a huge part of my life, but we don't have to go down <laughs> that rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, so that that's a huge thing. Yeah. Leave us a review. Tell us uh, things that you like, things that you don't like, any questions that you have, things you want to hear about in the show. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. So definitely get on there and let us know. Other great ways is to visit our website at nittanyblues.com. Dot com. You can learn more about the show, Vince and myself, more about kind of how we got started here. You can listen to all of our previous episodes. You can also learn how you can financially support the show if you feel so inclined. And we also have a 
our own merch store at shop.netneyblues.com. We've got some really cool designs in there that we guarantee you'll find nowhere else. Uh, we're actually going to be adding some new things to that store here pretty shortly to reflect our updated cover art. So be on the lookout for that. We'll also put out an announcement on our socials, which you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nittany Blues or Nittany Blues Podcast. We post updates on our show, other things that's going on in the Penn State Athletics world. I mean, Vince, our man on the ground at Penn State, is uh, sharing his photos uh, from his seats at just about every athletics event, it seems like nowadays, which is great mm-hmm. because we're really kind of living, living the fan experience. We're all living vicariously through Vince in, in certain ways. <laughs> Everyone wants to be Vince. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so definitely go and follow us there. But yeah, man, that's uh, that's all I got. That's a good show. So let's, uh, let's call it a night. Yeah. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. As always, for listening. It starts with I love you. It ends with I love you. And we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.